You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 31 in your Bibles, and uh, I have I have enjoyed this study. I have to be honest with you, I, I was planning to take a break right before Christmas, and I just the Lord just kept laying it on my heart, and I'm glad we, we've stuck with this. These, these last few chapters have been a, a huge blessing to me. I hope they've been to you. I'm fired up. Uh, I may be the only one that enjoys it tonight, but I'm hoping to get a blessing out of it. I got a blessing when I was studying for it, so I, just, I think I might even get another one while I'm preaching it. And uh, you say, well, I don't know, you know, well, even if, even if you don't like what I say, well, the good news is the Word of God, that's where the power is, and we're going to be doing a lot of uh, reading and studying the Word of God, so hope it'll be a blessing. Jeremiah 31, we left off last week, we got to uh, about verse number uh, 7, and I want you to notice verse number 8 of Jeremiah 31, behold, I will bring them from the north country. And gather them from the coasts of the earth, and with them the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and her that travaileth with child together. A great company shall return thither. They shall come. Notice how they're coming, verse number 9. They'll come with weeping and with supplications, God says, will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way. Wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing. In the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together for I will turn their mourning into joy. And will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate or I will satisfy the soul of the priests with fatness. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. I'd like to stop there, but I've got to read to verse number 17. Because I've got to get that far at least tonight. Thus saith the Lord, verse 15, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, or Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy, and there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Lord, would you speak to our hearts, and may we not miss what you have for us in this uh, message, this prophecy that was given by Jeremiah to the nation of Judah who was backslidden and who was uh, preparing to face the judgment of captivity. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us and may we uh, be helped and may we be blessed from the word of God tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I will say this to those that are watching, those listening, those of you here. If you have missed the last few Wednesday nights, we have covered chapter 31 up to this point. And I hope you'll go back. I won't take the time to re-preach it or reteach it. But I think it'll help for all of it to fit together even a little bit better. Notice verse number 8 and verse number 9. God promised in these verses that he would bring back. He would bring back a certain group of people. Now, notice who God is bringing back in verses 8 and 9. He's bringing back the blind. He's bringing back the lame. He's bringing back the woman with child and her that travaileth with child together. Verse number 9, they shall come with weeping and supplications. You see, these are some hurting people. Did, did you gather that? The lame and the blind and the woman who is uh, uh, travailing in birth. And he's bringing back some people that are weeping, some people that are, are, are pouring out their supplication, their request to God. These are people with some great needs. Now, it's too bad we don't know anybody like that. It's too bad that we don't have any needs and we don't have any burdens and we don't have any struggles because those are the kind of people that God can help. Well, guess what? We do have burdens, don't we? We do have needs. And boy, there's a lot of hurting people, not just outside the walls, a whole lot of hurting people inside the walls. But can I tell you, God specializes in helping the hurting. God specializes in healing the sick. And God specializes in lifting up the fallen. And God says, I'm bringing those folks back. I'm going to lead them. I'm not going to forsake them. I'm not going to abandon them. I'm not going to forget about them. I will lead them. And I'll say this, when God's leading... You're going to be okay. It really doesn't matter where you end up. If God's the one doing the leading, it's going to be a good outcome. I guarantee that. Notice verse number 9. It says, And I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way. Now go back to verse 2. A few weeks ago we said that God found them in the wilderness. A wilderness is not a place where there's a lot of water. Remember when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness? Remember what they needed? They needed food and they needed water. And, and God had to give them water out of a rock. And then one time they did find water, but it was bitter. And so they had to heal the waters. God had to heal the waters. So a wilderness is a dry and barren and a desolate place. But can I tell you, God knows how to get you from the wilderness. He knows how to get you from that dry and thirsty land where no water is. He knows how to get you to a place where the rivers of waters are running, where there is a vast supply. God knows how to supply your needs. God knows how to take care of you. He said, I'm going to cause you to walk, not in the wilderness. I'm going to cause you to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way. You say, well, what's that all about? Well, it goes on to say, wherein they shall not stumble. Have you, ever been, have you ever been walking on some rough terrain? I know uh, if Gabriel, I think, is in the radio room, but Gabriel and Brother Curry, they, these guys are incredible. I mean, these guys, if there's, ever, if there's ever, you know, like an emergency or whatever, just hang out with these guys. You'll have all the food you need, all the shelter you need, uh, all the survival tips you need. But if you've ever been out walking, like, 
For instance, we'll say the canal trail. How many have been to that canal trail before? That's a neat trail. I like taking my girls, uh, Lacey and Savannah especially. Uh, they enjoy that. You know, that trail is pretty smooth. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that trail is pretty easy, okay? It's nice. It's beautiful. But have you ever tried getting off the trail? Can I tell you, you get off the trail, uh, that's not so easy. The trail is, has, has been made and it's been put in place. And because there's been so much traffic on that, it's pretty well flat. It's pretty well smooth. It's pretty easy to get through. Well, can I tell you, imagine there was no trail. And imagine we dropped you off, we'll say at the end of Oakwood by Dominion. And we said, hey, meet us at, uh, meet us at the Canal Museum on 48. And there was no trail. That'd be a different story. That'd be a little dangerous. That, you might come back with a, a twisted ankle. You might come back with uh, some scrapes and some cuts. And you might come back with some bruises. And you might come back with some poison ivy. That wouldn't be so easy. Can I tell you what God can do? God can take uh, the, the hard and the, the rugged terrain. And God can level you out a path whereby you can walk. And if you'll follow him and if you'll lead him, I promise you, life is so much easier. And life is so much better when you walk with God and you do it God's way. He said, I'm going to give you a straight way wherein they shall not stumble. Hallelujah for that. God said that I am a father to Israel and to Ephraim, my firstborn. Now, God obviously was a father to his people, his chosen people. But I'm glad to tell you, when you get to the New Testament, you find out God's not only a father to Israel. But God is a father to you if you're saved. You are a child of God. And you can call upon God like you would call upon your father. And you can talk to him about needs. And if God, if God, uh, 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 as your father, God is willing to do even more than an earthly father will do. An earthly father is going to give his child good gifts, how much more so your heavenly father. I'm glad that we have a loving heavenly father. And what a blessing that is to know that we can call upon him. I want you to notice verse number 10. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off. And say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. You know, we've talked a lot in, through this series on Jeremiah We've talked about the fact that God's people were not very good at listening, right? Over and over again, hear uh, the word of the Lord or, or, or hearken to the voice of God. But did you know that there's more to the Christian life than just hearing what God has to say? Now, that's a good place to start. But notice what it says in verse number 10. God's people were commanded to hear the word and the nations were commanded to hear the word. But then it goes a step further and it says, and do what with it? Declare it. Did you know we have a responsibility not only to hear what God says, but we have a responsibility to tell others the good news. And we have the responsibility to share with others the message that God has given us. Declare it. You say, well, where are we supposed to declare it? Well, maybe just inside your home. Maybe just to your, your, your immediate next door neighbor. Well, that's not what it says. It says, declare it in the isles afar off. Now, that word isles is like the word islands. We're not talking about the isles at Food Lion or Walmart, although that's not a bad place to share it either. 
But this is talking about the remote places where it's not easy. As a matter of fact, if you want to get to the islands, you better either be a really good swimmer or you better get a boat, but it's not convenient. Those can be forgotten and forsaken places. And that's why as Christians, that's why we have responsibility to go into all the world. We start in our Jerusalem, we go to Judea and Samaria, and then unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Brother Nathan is with the teens and he has for now these last uh, several years, he prints out maps for us where we go soul winning, where, where we've gone blitzing here even during COVID and all these things. And we've sent out mailers. And, and, and what we do is we don't just focus on one particular area of town. We focus on every street. We focus on every area, every, every person. You know why? Because every soul is important to God. And every person needs to hear the good news of the gospel. I love it with these, these buses. And you pray we'll be able to get these running here real soon. But you know, with our buses, you know, we, we go anywhere. But you know, some of the places that we get the best response and some of the places where people are more likely to come, in some cases, is people who maybe don't have a whole lot. And you know what they realize? They realize we need the Lord. Uh, and, and we need church, and we need Jesus. But can I tell you, everybody deserves to hear the message, even the far and remote and hard-to-reach places. We're supposed to hear it, and we're supposed to declare it. Notice, if you would, verse number 10, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. Now, we know that Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord is our shepherd, right? God is our shepherd. We get to the New Testament and Jesus told the disciples, he said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So in this case, it says that the shepherd is scattering Israel, but it says he's scattering Israel, but he's going to gather him and he's going to keep him and he's going to protect him as a shepherd doth his flock. You see, God loves you and God loves me so much that when God scatters the sheep or when God chastens the sheep, it's not because he hates you. It's not because he hates me. It's quite the opposite. It's because he loves you. And if God chastens you over your sin, and by the way, sometimes something will happen to somebody and they'll say, oh, I wonder if this is the judgment of God or whatever. Well, Sometimes it is, not always. Look at the story of Job. I think that's a good example. Job was uh, uh, experiencing great tragedy, but it wasn't because of sin in his life. But sometimes we do go through hard times because God is trying to get our attention. And he chastens his children. If he doesn't chasten you, the book of Hebrews says, then you have a bigger problem. And the bigger problem is the reason God's not chastening you is because you are not his child. Tell you what, I want to be, uh, I, I want to be, and I know I am God's child because I've trusted him as my savior. I know I've been born again. I've been born into the family of God. So as God's child, when I sin, when I get away from God, God is gracious and God is merciful. But there comes a time where God may have to pull you over his knee. And God may have to give you a whooping. And God may have to give me a whooping. And God may have to chasten. And you say, why does he do that? Same reason that my dad used to spank me. And I remember 
I've told the story. I won't get into all of it. But dad usually did the discipline. But I'll never forget. Dad always said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. How many of you ever heard that before when you were growing up? Yep. Must have been a parent's manual that they had or something. But I remember him saying that. I'm thinking, well, then let's trade places, you know. I mean, let's, let's figure something out. But you know why he said that? Because he loved me. He didn't want to spank me. He didn't want to discipline me. That was not his goal. But he loved me enough to discipline me because he didn't want to see me go the wrong direction. He wanted to correct me and get me back on track. That's why God chastens. That's why God uh, uh, disciplines because he loves you and he wants what is best for you. You are his child. Uh, he is the father. You're the child. He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. And God cares for you just like a shepherd is caring for his flock. Notice verse 11. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Now we know what it means to be redeemed and ransomed. It means that there was a great price that was paid. And uh, to be redeemed means to be bought back. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid the price? He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. He ransomed you. He redeemed you. And he redeemed you, notice, from the hand of him that was stronger than we are. Aren't you glad that God had the power to redeem us? Aren't you glad that God had the power to save us from someone that was stronger than we would ever be? I want to tell you, I'm thankful that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm thankful for the power of God. I'm thankful as our theme is for the year. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice, if you would, verse number uh, 12. We see again a reference to singing. Uh, God's people, uh, just something about God's people and singing. It's just, it's something that just, it, it's, you can't help it. It just comes out because of rejoicing and praising God. Verse 12, therefore they shall come and sing. Notice verse number seven. Thus saith the Lord, sing with gladness and shout among the chief of the nations. We as God's people, boy, we ought to sing. Did you know that God loves singing? God loves music. The Bible says that our God is a singing God. The Bible tells us, the book of Zephaniah, that God will joy or God will rejoice over us with singing. Amen. Boy, I've heard some beautiful singing. And we got some folks in our church that I love to hear sing. But can you imagine when we get to heaven, can you imagine what that's going to sound like? You imagine what that angelic choir is going to sound like? And by the way, I, I happen to think when we get to heaven, we're all going to have beautiful voices like that. Hallelujah. But I wonder what it'll be when we hear God sing. Man, tell you what, I want to do my very best. You say, well, I can't sing very well. Well, maybe not. But you know what? I just think God is pleased when we do our best to sing and to praise him. Verse 12, sing. It says, flow together to the goodness of the Lord. 
I tell you, something about the goodness of God that draws people in and causes people to want to be where God is at work and where God's goodness is manifest. For wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd and their soul shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Now notice what it says. It doesn't say that they're going to have a watered garden outside their house. It doesn't say they're going to have a watered garden out in the backyard. Although, you know, a watered garden's a good thing, right? When you've got a garden, you kind of like it when it rains the right amount and you don't have to do a lot of extra watering. And you kind of like it when it's not too much and, you know, everything's flooded and, you know, washed away. But this isn't talking about a garden outside. It's not talking about a garden out in the ground. Notice what it says is your soul will be like a watered garden. Now keep in mind, we've been talking about the wilderness and we've been talking about uh, uh, the, the rivers and how God was going to lead them along the rivers, but now we're talking about something that happens inside of you. Having your soul as a watered garden. I want to ask you this evening, how is your soul? How is your heart doing? What's going on on the inside? On the outside, it may look like everything's okay. You know how we do. We try to get ready for church and we try to come in and we're like, okay, it's been a rough day and I've been yelling at everybody and screaming at everybody. Everybody's been screaming at me and, and, uh, and, and that's, just, that's just the pastor. That's just me screaming at the staff and them screaming at me. I can't imagine what you've had today. But, but you come into church and you just try to put on a smile. You just try to take a deep breath. You say, I made it. Hallelujah. I hope nobody asks me how I'm doing because I'm not sure I can hold it in. I might tell them how bad I'm doing, you know. And, and you go through that, but did you know that no matter what's going on on the outside, did you know you can have joy in your soul? Did you know you can have peace in your heart? I think about that song, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, Brother Fats, we'd always sing that song, and Brother Fats would say, Pastor, come tell us about the story of that song, you know, whatever. He loved putting people on the spot. But you know the story of that song. Mr. Spafford had sent his wife and his girls across the Atlantic Ocean. They were going to spend some time getting away, and they were going to help with some evangelistic meetings. And that ship went down. And he got word that his, his daughters had not survived uh, that ship sinking. And he got the word from his wife, and he immediately got on a ship to head there. And as he was going to meet up his, with his wife, they got to the spot over that ocean where that ship had gone down and where his daughters lost their lives. And the captain of that ship came to Mr. Spafford and said, Sir, I, I probably should not even be telling you this. I don't know if you'd want to know, but I thought I would tell you that right now I believe we're over the spot or very near the spot where your daughters lost their lives. And Mr. Spafford, that spot, he wrote that song, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I want to tell you, it can be well with your soul. Even when it's not well with your circumstances, even if when it's not well with your surroundings, it can still be well with your soul. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 13. 
It says young and old. Uh, verse number 13, the virgin shall rejoice and dance, both young men and old together. The young and the old will be dancing. Verse 12, the end of the verse says, they shall not sorrow anymore. I'm thankful for that promise that God has given us that there's coming a day when he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears. But verse 13, it says that God will turn their mourning into joy and he will comfort them and he will make them rejoice from their sorrow. Now, it's one thing to say that everything's fine and I'm doing okay and then joy is added. But that's not what God says. God says, I will take your sorrow and I will take your weeping and I will take your mourning. I will take the worst that you're going through. And God says, I will turn that into joy. Can I tell you, only God can do something like that. That's a miracle. Hollywood cannot do that. Hollywood cannot take your sorrow and turn it into joy. Politics cannot do that. As a matter of fact, politics can do the opposite. It can take your joy and turn it into sorrow. And Hollywood can take your joy and turn it into sorrow, but they can't do it the other way around. Sports can't take your sorrow and turn it into joy. But can I tell you, God can. And God has promised that he will turn our mourning into joy. Verse 14, I will satiate, I will satisfy the soul of the priests with fatness. That word fatness, it means abundance. God says, I can take care of you. I can satisfy you. I can bless you beyond anything that you can imagine. And I'll say this, that God can satisfy your soul. God can give you satisfaction. You know what the world does? The world leaves you hungry. The world leaves you thirsty. The world leaves you lacking and the world leaves you uh, wanting more and, and, and needing more and you're never satisfied. Uh, that's what alcohol does. Uh, alcohol, it doesn't satisfy you. It just leads you on needing more and more and more. That's what drugs do. It does, they don't satisfy you. Uh, you may feel good for a little bit, but then you realize, oh my, I am worse now than I was before. That's what the world does. That's what immorality will do to you. Uh, that's what cheating and lying and stealing, and that's what sin will do. But can I tell you, Jesus can satisfy your soul. Hallelujah for that. Verse number 15, we switch gears a little bit here. It says, thus saith the Lord, verse 15, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus saith the Lord, verse 16, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Ramah was a, a, a small town near Jerusalem, belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. And here there was a lamentation, there was weeping heard, and the Bible says it was Rachel. Now, we know who Rachel is, right? Rachel uh, was the wife of Jacob. Rachel was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, right? Joseph's two sons that he had were Manasseh and Ephraim. And here, Rachel is weeping. Now, now, Rachel, Rachel was not still living at this time, okay? So what this is picturing is, is that Rachel, as 
the wife of Jacob, the mother of, of Joseph and, um, um, and Benjamin, and, and then grand, grandmother of Manasseh and Ephraim, that Rachel is in Ramah, and she sees that her children or her descendants, they're gone. Well, at the time of this writing, the nation of Israel was gone. They were in Assyrian captivity because of their sin and because of their backsliding. Judah is soon to be in captivity because of their sin and their backsliding. And Rachel is weeping because she says, hey, there's supposed to be people here. They're supposed to be my children here. And they're not here and they can't be found. And there's weeping. And notice what it says. And Rachel was weeping for her children and she refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Then we get to verse number 16, and notice what the Lord's answer is to Rachel and to his people. He says, refrain. Basically, what he's saying is, stop. Don't, don't keep doing this. Uh, don't keep weeping. Uh, hold back. Uh, restrain yourself from weeping. He says, and restrain thine, ears, uh, thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Now, here's what's so amazing, and I'll, I'll try to get into this part maybe uh, next week. But Rachel refused to be comforted. That was her answer. Nope, I'm not going to be comforted. Remember what uh, Jacob, that was his response when Joseph was gone and the brothers came back and said, hey, we found his coat, we think an animal, an animal killed him, and we're, we think he's gone, sorry, Dad, we think he's dead. And Jacob refused to be comforted. He said, nope, he said, my son's not coming back, and I'll go to my grave weeping for my son. But the answer, verse number 16, is God says, you can't do that. You can't refuse to be comforted. You can't keep weeping. You can't keep up this sorrow. And here's the reason that God gives. He says, you're going to have to stop your weeping. You're going to have to stop the tears because, here's what he says, it's not over. God says, this isn't the way it's going to end. God says, hey, you don't see your children here now. You see that they're gone and they're in captivity and Judah's going to be going into captivity. But God says, I want to tell you, it's not over. The last chapter has not been written. The final story is, has not come. And God says that the, uh, they shall come. God's people would come again from the land of the enemy and thy work shall be rewarded. I'll close with this thought. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that I'm going through tonight, it may be bad and it may be serious and there may be a lot of tears and there may be a lot of sorrow and there may be a lot of heartache. And I'm not trying to say that there's not. But I want to tell you this. It's not over yet. And God is still at work. And as long as God is in the equation, there's still hope. I'll get to this next week, but notice the first words of verse number 17. And there is what? Hope. Let's, let's try it again. And there is hope. And there is hope. I want to tell you, 
as long as God is in the midst, as long as God is still on the throne, and he is, there's hope for whatever you're going through. And for the children of Israel, it didn't look good. And for the children of Judah, it did not look good. And Rachel's weeping for the children and refused to be comforted. And God said, hang on, time out. It may be bad, but it's not over. And aren't you glad that God can take the weeping and God can turn it into joy? And aren't you glad that God can take the hopeless situation and God can turn it around for good and for His glory? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.